I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Dr. Crystal M. Lewis. She's a licensed clinical psychologist at the National Institute of Mental Health. Hi, Dr. Lewis. Thanks for joining us. Hi, not a problem. I had heard about your organization for a long time now, and I'm so happy you could call into my show, especially right now heavy sigh with COVID-19. Um, there, I mean, there's so much to talk about, but specifically, I'm so interested in your take on what's going on specifically with adolescents, let's say, mm -hmm. and COVID-19. Because like, for instance, I keep coming across different articles, the coming, the coming mental health pandemic. It feels like we are in a mental health pandemic. Right like never before. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I think something I've been reflecting on is that the need for mental health services has always been there, but I think COVID really has brought out or highlighted, um, one, the lack of services, but the need for mental health professionals. So I think specifically for adolescents, we're seeing these times are quite stressful, and we know stress can bring on a, a whole range of um, behaviors in kids, and so... Yeah. Right now, there, there is a high need for support, whether that be specific for individual therapy for adolescents or just family support, um, and really just helping parents and teens navigate these times because it's a lot for us as adults, right? So it's just a sure. lot right now. For people that don't have kids mm -hmm. that are watching this, listening to this, mm -hmm. I'd like to walk through what it's, what it's been like because I have two girls. They're not on the young side, but one in particular uh, was a senior in high school. So you have that issue of, oh no, I worked this hard. I'm not going to have a graduation. Mm -hmm. And what that meant, also all the Zoom classes, the constant Zoom classes, <laughs> day in, day out, the, the ability to shut the video and just listen by audio because maybe you've stayed up so late because you're not so motivated anymore, you're depressed. Mm -hmm. On and on and on, there have been so many factors affecting right. these kids. And then the stress of parents, parents who've lost jobs, what that means to their level of patience, their amount of you know, mental, their mental health as well, mm -hmm. and how that impacts kids. Right. Right. There's a whole level of, I think you mentioned loss, but it's, we say for the kids, it's uh, the grief of not having their graduation, their prom, depending on the level, you know, the kids are in school. There's a lot that's lost, not just for the adults with the job and the stress, but for the kids as well. I think you, you hit it right on the head with, you know, the transitions that these kids are going through and having to adjust. And now they're taking classes online and what that means um, for some kids, especially for some of the kids I see, you know, there are benefits to that with the anxiety and the social piece of it. Right. There's, there, you know, it's not a benefit. It's a detriment when they need that social engagement and interaction. So there's, there's really just a lot there. Right. And at the beginning of all this, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people weren't going out and I had to encourage, you know, my own girls to go take a walk, mm -hmm. um, social distance, but we have to be physically active to take care of our mental health. What's your take on that? 
Oh, I completely agree. I know in the beginning, um, it was really hard to help um, children, adolescents and families understand, okay, you can still be safe and, and leave your house, right? And so to utilize that space that you have for some families who had the backyards, neighborhoods, for others finding safe places to walk, but to get out and be active. I think especially for uh, mental health, it's important that you keep yourself, you keep your body moving, um, whether that be doing, I would promote um, home exercises. There was a lot, I'm, I myself am very active. And so I would promote doing little workouts. Um, there are a lot of apps that families can use, parents and the kids to do different workouts, um, whether that be yoga, different types of um, boxing, kickboxing things at home, and then just getting out as a family to take a walk, go to the park, play games, um, but definitely promoting physical activity is important. We know that's good for our mental health and our well-being. Right. So here's a scenario. What happens when a teenager, um, you know, they're depressed and they are, don't want to be physically active? You know, you can say, come on, you can take a walk. I don't want to, I don't want to. And walk us through what will happen because they're on Zoom, they're sleeping in a lot, they're not eating the best, not physically active. What happens to their mental health? Yeah, I think it's important for, you know, for teenagers, but to understand when, you know, you don't have that motivation to get up and get out, how that affects your body. So it has significant impacts on the, on your sleep, because now you're spending most of your time just laying in bed. So you're going to have more sleep difficulties in the evening at night when you're actually trying to go to sleep. Um, it can have significant impacts on your, your overall health and well-being. And if you're eating more or just eating less, it's just, um, it's impacting your, your level of nutrition. Um, the lack of activity, I think, also is just linked, you know, to cognitive functioning. And so now you're supposed to be in your Zoom class all day for school or whatever it is, and you're not getting that physical activity to help your brain, to help stimulate your brain, your cognitive functions are impacted. Um, and so I do a lot of just kind of talking and educating with the kids to figure out, okay, we understand the motivation's not there, but figuring out, okay, well, we know this is important. What can we do to make sure that we're getting at least a little bit of activity, even if you're not leaving the house, what's type of activity can we create within the house to get the body moving because we know with depression it's very um you know common for people to lose motivation and energy and just want to lay around and watch youtube or be on the phone TikTok. yeah exactly exactly which can provide some level of entertainment That's right true. um and and part of it too what i say with the kids is when they're on their phones you know it's it's less about kind of how much time you're spending on social media and using those apps, but more about the quality and what you're doing. So if you are on TikTok, TikTok, I would say, you know what, let's make your own TikTok. So you're up and moving as opposed to just laying there and scrolling through and it's very yes. interesting. It's passive. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, what's your, what's your feeling about a technology and the phone usage? And obviously they gotta be on Zoom, but right. like I have this rule, like no phones in your room at night, you know, I mean, what's your take on that? I think that's, I think that's been a problem for a lot of parents to navigate how much time is okay. And at this point with kids at home, um, with virtual, doing everything virtually for school, it's like the kids will say, well, I need my iPad, I need this. Mm -hmm. um, so it becomes the whole day now that they're in front of the screen and the parent has to navigate, well, what exactly are they doing? Are they doing schoolwork? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to make sure that there is some separation and some time where they're not tuned in. So that might be like you're saying in the evenings, we shut down at a certain time, take the electronics away physically 
eventually we have to take these away, even from, especially from our teenagers who want to sleep with the phone in their bed or have access. But it's really important just as like as a family guideline, we all put our electronics away at this time. Um, creating healthy breaks throughout the school day, even if they have, they have breaks at school, I know that as well, to take, to get up and walk away from the screen, but just to promote the healthy use of technology. I think, yeah. you know, parents need a lot of guidance on how to set those boundaries, but it's important. And I know a lot of kids are, uh, we talked earlier, depressed. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I found is trying to either introduce something new, like how about you play ukulele or what about painting or what about this? What's your feeling about the role of creativity? I know it's powerful. Yeah, creativity, I, I think really can be helpful. I think we often hit a wall though with these kids in terms of how, how do we um, increase the motivation to be creative. Yeah. And, so that, and so at that point, it's throwing out different ideas of, okay, what are we going to try this week? Even if it's just one thing each day that we're going to aim, aim for you to do, it could be something different or it could be something that they actually enjoy. But it's more so, I think, just getting them started and then kind of integrating some of that creativity to figure out, okay, well, maybe a specific challenge or having them create something that they're interested in. Um, but we know, we know that's largely important is, is helping them to find new habits, new, um, not habits, but hobbies yes. <laughs> and new things that they can do that are enjoyable, um, especially at the point of if they're experiencing significant symptoms of depression, we know that behavioral activation and doing things is quite important. Sure. And you know, what I always say to parents, don't be upset if they won't open up to you, but mm -hmm. tell them it would be good if you opened up to someone, whoever you feel comfortable with, whether that's a therapist, a coach, a teacher, anybody. Exactly. Exactly. Just to promote kind of sharing your feelings and um, it helps for the kids to know, to normalize a little bit that everyone experiences some tough feelings. So for them, you know, their experience might be different if they actually have clinical depression, but really pushing them to talk to someone like you're saying, it doesn't necessarily have to be a parent. It'd be great if they had that trusted relationship, but it could be an older sibling. It could be a trusted adult from school or a coach or someone. Yeah. Um, so just, just a trusted individual that can kind of help them through their experience would be important. And also, you know, at a certain age, they just don't want to hang with you. <laughs> they exactly. don't. You know, just because you say, I bought us all bikes, doesn't mean they want to ride with you. And they, want, they right. might want to go take a friend and go do whatever. And I think you got to definitely give them space. This is so challenging. I think that, and I think that's quite hard for parents, not let alone during a pandemic, but in general, knowing, you know, the developmental milestones and the level at which, you know, teenagers gonna want to spend a little more time with their friends, but especially during a pandemic now where everybody's supposed to be home and a lot of parents have this idealistic, not idealistic, but like, oh, this is going to be great family it's bonding. game night. <laughs> exactly. That we normally don't get. Let's do this. And then, yeah. you know, the kids are totally not into it. And They're it over it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's stressful on a lot of levels for the children as well as the parents. Right. I mean, we started doing things like they were baking and I don't have to be part of it. If she wants to bake with her sister, like just give, give them space. Yeah. Right. You right. Know? You can encourage them to do different things at home, but yes, you're exactly right. Give them a little space and independence so that they can, you know, stay active, but it doesn't always have to be with you sure. or around an adult. Right. <laughs> yeah. What are some red flags? We talked about this a little bit, like sleeping in too much, maybe they're staying up too late. What are some red flags that there might be some mental health issues going on? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that might vary depending on developmental level or age of the child. But but like you said, you know, you notice a change in just their general um, maybe sleeping habits. Um, they seem kind of lethargic, low energy. You'll notice uh, significant changes in mood and engagement. And so for some parents, it's a little tricky because they're like, well, they normally always have an attitude or they're irritable. Um, but you would see now it's in turbo mode. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you might you might see more of it, and you might and it might be more generalized so normally it might just be geared towards the parents right but now it might be towards their siblings and their friends and that they're disengaging from people uh, more isolation so the child or the teen might be staying in their room staying in their bed all the time yeah um, and then for younger kids we might see just more behavioral manifestations of mental health issues whether it's anxiety or depression or, or anger um, you might see just a lot more emotional ability for the kids refusing to do certain things and avoidance and so I think the signs are there and it's more so that you can expect some of this some of this during stressful times like you know this this pandemic um but what happens is it becomes more long term right and so now we're not just seeing it oh it's happening once a week or something um we know that it's there more often it's harder to manage and often it's longer it lasts longer so there are certain things parents can look for um and really start keeping track of well how often is this happening and how intense the intensity of it um, and looking at how much it's interfering with the child's uh, ability or they're supposed to be doing their schoolwork or summer school or camps. Um, how much is it actually interfering in what they're supposed to be doing? Sure. I mean, this is such a roller coaster. Let's face it. I mean, I think this is a time to really have the greatest amount of compassion and empathy yes, for your kids. Yes, right. And, and ourselves, because like some people might have thought, I'm going to paint my house and do this and do that. And like, go, go, go. When in fact, maybe you have to dial into the people in the house right now mm -hmm. because there's so many emotions. Yeah. The people in the house, which includes yourself. I think yeah. a lot of people have this idea that, oh, I have this extra time being home that I could be super productive or I could start this or do that. And it's just not happening. So I think you, I think you're exactly right of having self-compassion and knowing that things are going to happen when they can happen, letting go of your, your kind of schedule a little bit and just paying attention or tuning in to those who are around you as well as yourself and what you need. And if something doesn't get done or a schedule gets disrupted, it's not the end of the world. Look forward to the next day to start over but I think compassion is, is key self-compassion but also compassion for those around you to really kind of relate to what they're going through as well as what you might be going through sure you know when I often bring up on my show that sometimes um, doing an act of kindness for somebody else will mm -hmm. get you out of your own mindset so mm -hmm. for um, for a teen that's stuck at home really feeling down perhaps if there's a neighbor that needs help I'll give examples, throw it out, painting something outside or doing a, a project outside or just helping, obviously, at a safe distance. But mm -hmm. something to get you out of your mindset is so important. Do you it want really to talk is. about that? Right. I think um, helping others and volunteering is extremely important, not just for teenagers, for kids as well as families. It helps one to kind of get out, get out of their selves, get out of their own heads. Um, and it helps us to feel good about, you know, just helping others. Right. And so during, especially during the beginning times, we were looking at how we can help kids um, figure out ways to feel like they're being effective. Right. Feel like they're being helpful during the pandemic, whether that be uh, um, baking things, dropping off food, making 
fines, all that mm -hmm. that they were doing in the beginning. And even now it's those that are less fortunate, you know, what can we do to volunteer and maybe the food, you know, food depositories, different places, yeah. helping kids to see that there's so much more out there outside of their experience and for adults as well. I say kids, but that's helpful for us as well. Um, I agree. Yeah. And that can really help with the perspective. Um, and I think that can, that's linked to mental health in terms of just focusing on something outside of yourself. Uh, it was interesting when George Floyd was killed, mm -hmm. my daughter came in, I'm working at my computer. She says, mommy, there's a peaceful protest. I'd like to go. Will you go with me? Mm. I dropped everything and she had already made her poster and it was enlightening for me, but it was so amazing to see her doing this thing that she absolutely a hundred percent was in mm -hmm. and and, to, and taking that time to like really get to know my daughter on a different level was tremendous. And I think this is definitely a time to be aware and seize those opportunities that you might, they might show you something you never imagined. Exactly. Right. Know? Right. I think these are very tough times for a lot of reasons, right? With the protests, the pandemic, but looking at, um, I think resiliency is really important and seeing how kids come out of this, right? And what their focus is and what they is, what's important for them. And so that's a great example for your daughter of how she felt, oh, this is something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that made her feel great to feel, to be, you know, be supportive. Um, sure. But what experiences really can we pull from this that will be helpful long-term and aid to overall resiliency for kids as well as adults? Um, I think that that's extremely important. Um, you know, people, people find strength, I guess, and hope in um, aligning with others for a particular cause. In the case of the protests, no matter what side you're on, but for the protests, you know, being out there, I think that, is, that can be helpful for mental health um, in a lot of ways, but you have to kind of balance that with making sure you're not overdoing it and protecting your mental health as well. Sure. Now, I was able to connect with you because you work for the National Institute of Mental Health. Could Correct. you share a little bit about what the organization does? Sure. Um, so the NIMH, National Institute of Mental Health, is one of the institutes, I believe there are 27, but um, within NIH, the National Institute of Health. And so we specifically um, conduct research in different areas. And my particular team is the section on development and affective neuroscience. So essentially, we work with pediatric anxiety, so kids between the ages of 8 and 17. And we're looking at, we do a lot of neuroscience, so neuroimaging. We look at brain functioning as it relates to anxiety and treatment. So I'm one of the psychologists. I provide cognitive behavioral therapy for the kids who have clinical levels of anxiety. And then we're researching the effectiveness of, of CBT as well as other forms of treatment for kids with anxiety. Um, so that's one of the areas that we, we study. And then there are many other teams um, within my branch. We have a team who studies adolescent depression. We have another team who studies irritability. And we're looking at um, developing you know, effective evidence-based treatments, as well as looking at the research for why kids are anxious and depressed. And that's what, what was my next question. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to see what those factors are. Is it partly genetics? Is yeah. it environment, technology? something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can say there are many paths that lead to um, yeah. specific 
mostly anxiety and depression as well. But, you know, we look at genetics, we look at uh, some kids have a biological predisposition looking at family, right? And so mm -hmm. we do collect biological, some, we collect some um, biological data. So cortisol, hormones, and so forth. Um, we know that it's tied to negative life events um, and stressful events, right? Like a pandemic, um, like the George Floyd killing, kind of seeing that in the news is trauma related. We know that there are a lot of factors. And so ultimately, we're really just looking at kind of how specific can we get really to identify what these factors are. So most of all, I'm very passionate about prevention work. And so the more that we know about the factors that lead to anxiety, the more we're able to, I think, focus on prevention. And so I'm in the communities and do a lot of talks to parents and schools about early signs of anxiety or mental health issues and what we can do to really promote resiliency in kids and increase self-efficacy. Um, and so a lot of what I like to look at with my kids is how we increase overall eff efficacy. We know with anxiety, it's um, kind of an overestimate, we overestimate threat and underestimate our ability to handle whatever's gonna happen. That's the efficacy piece. And so, you know, if we can increase that in kids early on, I really think that aids to their resilience to ultimately prevent later anxiety, um, regardless of what those early factors are. If they're predisposed to anxiety, if they learn how to handle stress, right? And they have confidence and self-esteem and all these other factors, potentially we might be able to prevent a clinical diagnosis of anxiety later on. I also like how more schools are introducing yoga, mindfulness, meditation. I think that's really important. I think so as well. I think there's, there's definitely a lot more research on it now in, in later years um, compared to my earlier training. But also we know that in this in this uh, time of just kind of go, go, go technology, immediate, you know, kids have immediate access right. to things. We need to take time to kind of learn to sit and meditate, be with ourselves and be in the moment. And so it's great that schools are open to figuring out ways to integrate this in the school day for the kids. I want to share something with you. I had a conversation with somebody, a teenager, and they said, I feel like everybody always needs me. So I'm on my phone, I'm responding, Snapchat, this, that. But I could tell that it was overwhelming. And I mm -hmm. said, sometimes it's okay to put the phone down, shut it off mm -hmm. and walk away and focus on you and mm -hmm. make you the priority because you're trying to solve all these issues. What about you? Because you get pulled in so many directions with look at this and look at that and help me here and texting, and you know. Right, right. So and, and, and that's our society. I think this is where, you know, parents um, really have to be careful and be mindful of how they help their kids do that because it's so, it's so much the norm. Kids so young have phones now and it's just that immediate, you know, they're in that environment of everyone's on their phone and need something and so, very social. So I think, you know, it's teaching parents how to set, how to model that behavior, right? Because a lot of us walk around with our phones all the time, but um, how to model that separation and then model self-care, which is extremely important. And I'm also finding one thing I've realized is here we're spending more time than we ever have with the people in our house. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes up to talk to you, you have to be so mindful that you're not like, I'm looking at a remote, huh? you know, like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. When, you know, you know what I mean? Like be yeah. present. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, for parents who are working from home and then balancing out, you know, attending so to hard. 
especially now with the summer break where some kids aren't even in school. So it's like they want that attention more and need things, but parents are still working. It can be very hard. Um, and so it's important. This is where, again, it's important to even have on a family schedule of like, you know, no technology during this hour, right? We can do whatever we want, but it's not going to involve technology. Having time where, or schedule time where we can be present, fully present with our kids and our family members, even yeah. if it's just for a short period each day, I think is, it would be extremely effective and useful to do that. Right. I mean, it's okay. You tell your kids, listen, this is the time I have to work unless it's an emergency. But right. this is our work time. This is our family time. This is our outside time, whatever it is. Obviously, it depends right. how old your kids are. Right, right. Yeah. 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 But it definitely is a hard thing to balance, but it's important. Any advice for parents that are really struggling right now or anybody for that matter? I think, you know, we touched on it earlier with you when you with the compassion piece of it, but knowing that, you know, you're not you're not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect during this time. And so mm -hmm. just doing the best that you can and having a level of optimism that things will get better. And, you know, each day focusing on what what was at least one thing about this day that either I enjoyed that went well, um, something I can look to forward to tomorrow with my family. Um, because it is a lot and we're going to have days that we feel overwhelmed and completely stressed out. And so in order to not get stuck in that, I think it's really important to have this, okay, each day I'm going to look forward to something, right? Or what I'm grateful right. for, just focusing on on the positives of what can, can come out of a very stressful day. Yeah. I think that's not only for right, not only for parents, but for adults as well who are in a day who might be isolated having compassion for yourself and others, mm -hmm. stepping outside of yourself and finding ways to help others, no matter how, no matter how um, kind of overwhelmed you are, what you can do for others that will help as well. Sure. And I always feel like you should have your time at some point to yourself. Like for instance, I get up really early and I'll walk because I feel like if I take really good care of myself, I'm better to the people in my house. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, we say that like, oh, it's easy to do, um, which sometimes it's not, especially if a lot going on. But if you right. prioritize that for you, it might be, you know, my mornings, I know I can get up before anything goes on. Right. Um, for others, it might be a midday break when the young children are napping. It might be, you know, but finding that time each day so that you can re-energize is so important. And I think also speak up. I remember when my kids were little, I'd have to say, you know what, honey, I need some me time. I need to recharge. I need a break. Like knowing finding the resources to help you so you can recharge. Right, that is true. And to get to that point, it's, it's knowing when you need to recharge. So really paying attention to your own behaviors and reactions to your kids, to those people around you and using that as, okay, a metric for maybe I need a, maybe I need a break right now. Right. Um, once you're aware of that, then yes, finding ways that you can verbalize to those around you that you need a break so that you can bring your best self to them you know, in the future. Are there any resources on um, the website where you work where, you know, reading or workshops or anything people would want to check out? Yeah, I think if you go to the general NIH website or the NIMH website, rather, um, there are plenty of links there where there are either articles or just tips, strategies um, for people during COVID and then just in general with mental health. So if there are individuals who worry that they might have, um, they might be experiencing depression or anxiety or have some worries about their kids, there's some information on that website, um, as well as some of the other uh, websites like the CDC and so forth, um, where I would recommend, you know, you can go and scroll through and click on the different links to see what might be relevant for you. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah. Any last bit of info you'd like to leave us with? I know we covered a lot. 
We did cover a lot, yes. Um, you know, I mean, I think just just normalizing this whole experience that, you know, everybody's going to go through this differently and that, you know, you might feel a lot of anxiety, you might feel sad, and just kind of being okay with those emotions, letting yourself experience whatever the emotion is, and then figuring out, okay, well, do I need help to manage this? Can I manage it on my own? But making sure you're being proactive about, in that moment, what you need to do, because this is a stressful time for everyone. So like we said, practicing good self-compassion passion or not good, but a lot of self-compassion yeah. and then focusing on building resilience in your kids. Definitely. Yeah. I also want to add one thing that I noticed when I was little, if I ate a lot of junk food, I'd be really depressed. Mm. Um, so when like I always, and as a parent, it's, you, you want to say this and say this, but in the end, they're going to do what they want, but mm -hmm. you can see a pattern sometimes when kids do eat the wrong thing and then they feel lousy the next day or that night or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, that's a very good point. I think that ties into your overall kind of physical health, right? Physical exercising, your sleeping and your eating, all of that's tied together. So it is important to pay attention to taking care of yourself yeah. um, and taking care of your child and helping yeah. your teen take care of themselves. <laughs> Some people have like this 80-20 rule, like they eat great 80% of the time and 20 they fall off the wagon. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. which can work, right? We yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, where can people find out more about you? Um, so I guess I, I might have my bio on online. Um, and I'm also in private practice in Chevy Chase, Maryland. So going to the psychologytoday.com uh, website. And then lastly, I am very involved with the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, ADAA. It's kind of the organization, my professional home that I grew up in, in terms of my training for my PhD, and then now mm -hmm. just in terms of being involved. So there's some information on that site as well, just kind of different interviews I've done or things that I've written. Um, and people can reach out that way if they have any questions or concerns about anything. Fantastic. And I love your collection of books, by the way. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Thank you. Is there something you would particularly recommend people might want to read right now? Something that you really oh, enjoyed? From my collection or just in general? We'll in general. Whatever. Um, yeah, no, this, I say this, I'm rereading um, Brene Brown. So Darren Greatly. Oh, love. I, that's that's a very good book. Um, yeah. I think for adolescents and then later childhood. So there's a book that I use a lot that's called Outsmarting Worry, um, an older kid's guide to managing anxiety and stress. Um, that's a book that I use that is super easy to read, but it parallels a lot of what we do as therapists in, um, in C with using CBT. So that's a good book for kids. Okay. Good. Um, I don't know what else I'm trying to think. Well, if you yeah, think of anything a lot, else, a lot of books in it. you can Actually. email me and I'll put it on the show blog. You, you froze for a second, but I'll, I can put anything you, you send me yeah. up on my show blog. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That works. Thank you so much for calling in. I've really enjoyed this. Yes. Thank you for the invitation. This has been really nice. Absolutely. <laughs>